Welcome in everyone to the Sunday recap. We're so glad you joined us today uh, for this conversation where we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter six, verses 19 through 24. My name is Chris McLaughlin. I'm the discipleship pastor here at Stones. And with me this morning is Ariel Eldridge. Good morning. Our connections director. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Doing all right. We are uh, down Mitch this morning. He's got a last minute meeting, so he couldn't join us for the recording today. But uh, we're gonna we're gonna press on. We're gonna press on. You know so. that's okay. <laughs> I might have heard that he said plenty last week. Nah. <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> Do not tell him uh, I said that. Yeah, that's not like He's recorded to this or anyway. on a podcast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna right. pay for that later in a sermon, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we missed you last week. Well, I missed you guys. Yeah, yeah, thanks for filling in. I know you had Luke and uh, Derek in here, yeah. and they're they're a fun, fun pair too. So yeah. you guys, I'm sure, had all kinds of good conversations. Yeah, it, it was it was fun to have them in there, and um, we've never had Pastor Derek on before, and so it was nice to have him. Oh yeah, yeah, it's the first it's time that debut. he's been on the podcast. Yeah, that's right. Love it. So pretty awesome. Hey, as we get rolling this morning, we do want to let you know about a couple things that are coming up. Uh, So first of all, we have classes, and we've been talking about those quite a bit, but our classes uh, this semester, we've got a bunch of them that are happening, so actually four different classes, plus our biblical counseling training, and those are all things that you are invited to jump into just in order to really uh, deepen your knowledge and love of the Lord, and that's what really the goal of all of these is about. So we have uh, the story of scripture, which is really uh, just a chance to learn more about how to read the Bible uh, and this kind of the stuff that we're going to talk about today, this this mm-hmm. idea of like uh, redemptive historical, like there's a narrative throughout all of scripture that God has told us. So we're going to talk about that in that class. Um, the Financial Peace University with uh, Kyle and Patina Brozek. Uh, if you are looking to uh, kind of shore up those things and learn to love God more with your money, man, this is a great class for you. Um, the Psalms class with Brian O'Malley, what a wonderful class. He's taught this a number of times now, and people have always come out of that class saying like, what a great class. So I uh, I highly recommend that one. And our apologetics class taught by uh, our one of our elders, Mike Davis. This is really about knowing what you believe and knowing why you believe it. And this is uh, a, really a chance to undergird your faith with uh, with good reason. And our faith is reasonable, and that's what it's all about. So all these classes are available, plus our uh, biblical counseling, uh, which is really neat. Uh, our biblical counseling training is something that you can go through the whole thing and get trained to be a biblical counselor, but you can also just take one of those uh, sessions and just come in and learn more about that one particular session. So talk to Pastor Keith Groves about that one as well. That's so cool. Ariel, tell me uh, just really quick. I know that you've taken a couple of the classes here. Yeah. What has been your experience with uh, classes? Well, I love that we um, we have putting our, you on the spot. I know. <laughs> I love that we have our people teaching them, and that's just what a treasure we have with um, the people that are willing to teach and just share their knowledge of Christ and um, their love for their certain areas that they're teaching. I mean, I could tell you something about each of those teachers that is unique and and oh, makes totally. and they're just totally endearing. Yeah. Um, but. I, I personally benefited a lot from Story of Scripture. I think that's where I started to fall in love with biblical theology. Mm. And um, and I, I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, I just really loved hearing about the covenants and just how much that um, that theme is all throughout Scripture of yeah. God upholding his end yeah. and ours. Yeah, and, God's uh, promises yeah. to us. Yeah, yeah. And, he's, so uh, and he's just so much bigger, and I love him so much more after, after that class. That's so. cool. 
Highly recommend. I also wanted to throw in, we are studying the book of James as women oh, right. um, yeah. online every Wednesday. Either yeah, when does that start? Evening. It starts actually tomorrow. Oh, wow. Tomorrow. and we So have... the day that this comes out is, is when it started. Yes. So, okay, I'm yeah. sorry. Yes, Wednesday. So <laughs> this morning, if you're listening to the podcast, hop over on a Zoom call. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, actually, you can email me, ariel at stonescrossing.com, if you'd like to um, get that link, or you can um, register at stonescrossing.com forward slash women. Yeah, that's awesome. There's so many great things to jump into this spring, and I think after a, uh, a season where we haven't uh, been able to do a lot of this stuff, this is a great yeah. chance to jump in to something to uh, to grow your knowledge and love of the Lord and to, and to do that with other people. Yes. So that's what, it, that's what it's all about. So uh, if you have any questions about that, reach out to us or go to stonescrossing.com slash discipleship or stonescrossing.com slash women and you can check all that out. This last week, uh, Pastor Scott finished up the Follow the Money series with sermon number three. Um, and he was preaching on Matthew 6, verses 19 through 24. This, this section of scripture is really interesting. It's, it, it's a part of what's called the Sermon on the Mount, which is a, uh, it's Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And this whole thing is, is one big um, sermon that Jesus is preaching uh, to a group of, of followers, a large group of followers and disciples. And, and so he's giving a lot of different um, different teachings throughout this whole thing. And so as you look through it, you're like, man, he's kind of jumping from one topic to mm-hmm. another and kind of going all over the place. And so this section is really interesting and, and actually gives us um, – and, man, the way that Scott broke it down I thought was really, really, really smart because um, he kind of broke it up into three sections. So, so like verses 19 through 21 is one section because in there you see a contrast. There's a contrast between treasure on earth and treasure in heaven. 22 to 23 is another section where you see another contrast. It's full of light, full of dark. Your eye is full of light, you're full of dark. And then uh, verse 24 is the third section where you have another contrast. There's you either will hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. Mm -hmm. So so all three of them present a contrast and all three of those contrasts are teaching us something uh, about this idea of having treasure in heaven. So uh, that's a little background, a little setup here. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but uh, Ariel, would you uh, read the passage for us, and we'll, we'll let's uh, kind of dig into what uh, absolutely what we're going to do today. Yeah, yeah. So this is Matthew six nineteen through twenty four. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. One of the things that Scott did then was he, he kind of broke down these three sections um, and rephrased them to ask three questions or basically say you have three choices that you have to make, right? So so the first is uh, where are you, you know, which, which storehouse are you going to store your treasure in? Mm-hmm. Is it the one on earth or the one in heaven? The second one was what stance will you take? So in other words, do you have the right viewpoint or the right perspective or a, like or better yet an eternal perspective towards how to invest um, the things that God has given you. 
And then the last one, he the way that he phrased it uh, was to that you have to choose your sovereign. In other words, you have to choose your ultimate authority. Um, what is the authority that you are going to live by and that is going to direct the choices that you make every day? And so um, I thought those were really great questions <laughs> to to ask as as we're wrestling with this question um, or with this passage. I think the first thing that we need to, to talk about, though, is what exactly is the treasure that we're talking about here? So, so you know, at the end, he says, you cannot serve both God and money. So clearly this is, and, and, the, and some of the Greek manuscripts say mammon, which is a term for money mm-hmm. um, in, in the first century. So, so clearly this is about financial stewardship. It's about what are we doing with our money? Right. Yeah. So, so when we're talking about treasure on earth versus treasure in heaven, what are some? What exactly are we talking about there? Like, what what exactly? Like, when we say our treasure on earth, yeah, it's our money, and, and we, maybe we can invest it in places and things like that. But what what is a treasure in heaven? I think you know if you think about what is imperishable, um, you know, and what is um, not destroyed by moth and rust, mm-hmm. that's just souls. That's yeah. the only thing that leaves this earth in, in you know, that, <laughs> yeah, is, that is forever. Um, and so I think when you think about investing in um, in God's work of redeeming people, then that's probably what, what we're looking at here. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's like how, how are we using the resources God has given us mm-hmm. to care for and love people? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and – yeah. I think last week um, Scott got kind of specific about it, about, you know, tithing needs to be to um, further worship of God and, you know, the preaching of the gospel. And so um, I think those are those are really prime examples of, of what that would kind of entail. Yeah, yeah. So, so, there, so there we have really two categories, right? So you have this category of how, how are you caring for people? Mm-hmm. Second is how is it promoting the worship of God? Yes, right? yeah. So, so you kind of have... I mean, really, Jesus boils it down, loving God, loving people, right? Yes. Like there's uh-huh. the, the greatest commandment, right? What is the return that we get for our investment uh, when it comes to this sort of stuff? Because, I mean, it seems like a like a big intangible. And, and I know last week we talked about this, and Scott brought it up last week in his sermon, but the idea of the prosperity gospel mm-hmm. – we can't we can't approach this like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna give a hundred dollars to the church and then it's gonna come back to me tenfold so I'll get a thousand dollars from somewhere else. Now sometimes God does bless us in that way, but that's not always the case. It's not a promise. It's never a one to one. Right, right. And I really like the way that Mitch put it last week too because he was talking about how it is a when, when when we when we think that way it's actually confusing the eternal reward with the uh, our, like our eternal uh, the, the promises that God makes us for eternity mm-hmm. and those rewards with what's happening right now. Right. Our and circumstantial. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if that's the, if that's the case, then what is the eternal reward? Like what, what exactly are, is the, you know, as Scott said, the yield that we get for this investment, the mm-hmm. return on our investment? Um, well, I, I think we always find our answers in the scriptures themselves. And, um, and I think that what you were um, kind of setting, setting us up for is talking about like, tangible promises that maybe we can see develop into the uh, the ultimate promise of the Lord. Yeah. Um, and so if we look back at what the Lord has done in history, um, that, that can give us a clearer picture of what he's going to do. 
And, um, and so when we are in this moment in time looking ahead to treasures in heaven, mm-hmm. um, in order to get a good grasp on what that is, I think we need to look backward. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go there. Where, where, where do we start with that? What, oh, what, 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 what do you think? Always in Genesis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, let's, let's head back to Genesis. Um, and we just talked about story of scripture. We talked about covenants and promises, what God has done. And, right. um, and you see this ultimate building of the promise of, of the land is a tangible um, promise. Do you yeah. want to talk about that? Sure. Yeah. So uh, 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 where this kind of all starts is in Genesis chapter 12. Mm-hmm. And in Genesis 12, God comes in and speaks to a guy named Abram who becomes Abraham, right? And when he, when God comes and speaks to him, he makes, he, he gives them in verses one, one, two, and three, uh, gives him this command to go, right. And, and to leave his father's house and, um, and, uh, and the land and, and that he was in and to go to a new land. And then later on in Genesis 12, just a few verses, uh, below that, I think this is, where is this? Yeah. We're in verse seven. Yeah. I verse think. seven. Yeah. Says um, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to your offspring, "I will give this land." Mm-hmm. There's a promise from God right there. So, so it says. So he built an altar there. He built there an altar to the Lord who appeared to him. Um, and so here's this this promise, and it's just this one little line here at the beginning that ends up having huge significance throughout the entire. I mean, really from the for all of redemptive history, for all of <laughs> of history. Um, so this promise doesn't ultimately get fulfilled immediately. God said, you know, God had promised him to your offspring, I will give this land. The only fruit of that promise that Abram saw was that he owned on the land, his own burial plot. Like that's all that he owned. (laughs) And the whole thing is like, whoa, okay. And then you have his son, Isaac, you have Jacob. Um, and Jacob ends up having to take his family and go down to Egypt for 400 years. Right. And so you you get to that point in the story and you're like, what is God doing? Mm-hmm. Why? Wh- God promised them this land. Mm-hmm. You know, why is he taking them away from it? Uh, and, and they're down there for 400, 430 years and they're put into slavery. Right. You know, like his whole family, you know, now, now over a million people are in slavery in Egypt. Mm-hmm. So what happens after that? So I just want to pause there for a second and yeah. just talk about how encouraging that can be for us to see that, you know, that God has worked this out over so long in history, um, but he was always faithful. And so in the moment, you could you could stop anywhere on this timeline and see that these people were really struggling with where they were circumstantially yeah. and, um, and wondering, always wondering, is he going to stay true to his promise? Right. Um, and uh, and I think that you know that can be that can be true for us too. Like when we're when we're here and we haven't seen it with our eyes. Yeah, and we just wonder like, yeah, is God really going to come through? Right, yeah. right. Yeah, but you you do see Him come through there in that um, that He delivered the people through um, through Moses through the work of Moses mm-hmm. and just bringing them out of Egypt, um, out of the hands of Pharaoh. And um, and then brings them to Sinai and gives him or gives the people rules to to live by so that they can they can um, come into the promised land. Yeah. And what to do when they get there? Yeah. Um, how to be a people set apart so that they are um, revealing to the surrounding nations that they serve the one true God. Right. And um, and so he he is calling them out of of their circumstance, but even Moses doesn't even. 
get to see, yeah. doesn't get to enter the promised land. He gets to see it. Right. Um, and, uh, and so over these generations, he just, he continues to be faithful. God continues to be faithful. Um, and despite circumstances, yeah, but sustains these people all the way through. Yeah. Now let's, now let's kind of get to why, why are we talking about the land and how does that connect to treasures in heaven? Sure. Um, so what's the connection there? Like biblically, how do we get to that kind of connection? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I think that this is a really neat type for what God is ultimately doing through Christ. Mm-hmm. And we see these all throughout scripture. Um, again, the story of scripture class is a great class to take to kind of get that that feel for what um, God has done through his His uh, re- revelation in history, just yeah. how he's used different types for what he's ultimately doing. So if we talk about the land that he's giving the Israelites, um, he's giving them a home that is fruitful. He says it's flowing with milk and honey. Yeah. Um, in which he can keep them as his people set apart. Mm-hmm. Um, but what ultimately he's doing is through Christ, he's going to give us a home that is imperishable and right. fruitful right. and um, that is just for his people, Yeah. Um, and which is the new heavens and new earth um, that he'll establish. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Well, biblically too, we can see how the Bible itself makes that connection because in the Old Testament, and especially in the Psalms, the Psalms begin to talk about the land as being the rest, mm-hmm. right? Like, like this is the rest, the the um, the this place of rest where they were supposed to come in, and and uh, they were supposed to go in and and wipe out all of the enemies that were in the land, and the land was going to have rest, and there was going to be peace, and this was this again a type of what what's to come, and of course, the people of God didn't do that fully. Um, you know, Joshua comes in uh, after Moses, he he is able to. Um, uh, drive out and destroy many people, many of the enemies in the land, but not all of them. Mm-hmm. And so those other enemies end up plaguing the Israelites for 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 centuries. Um, yeah. And and eventually, one of those enemies ends up being the the one that God brings down to take them out of the land, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which which is a a huge problem. But that's another issue. So, uh, but I think what's, what is interesting is then the book of Hebrews picks up on that idea of rest. And in Hebrews, he talks about how, uh, the rest is now connected to the, uh, the new heavens and new earth, this eternal rest that we have. That's so cool. Well, I just wanted to, um, to make up, well, make an observation here where we see that, um, this, this physical land doesn't fully satisfy, Right. And, uh, and so all these types and, and things going on are ultimately pointing to the one thing that does satisfy who is, who is Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, and I think Hebrews is a great place to, to point out why. Um, that book is just all about why Christ is better. Yeah. Better prophet, priest, well, right. king, all the things. Yeah. I mean, this is what, what Hebrews says. This is Hebrews 4 starting at verse um, – well, I mean, it, it, man, it's telling this whole story again, but let's just start at verse eight. He says, uh, for if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. Mm-hmm. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For who, uh, whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that we uh, that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience for the word of God is living and active, sharpening, sharpening to our sword. So yeah, you see the, the, the connection that the author of Hebrews is making 
between the land being the this this promised rest mm-hmm. and it failed and it it failed like they 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 it ultimately was not the rest that they needed but it's pointing to a better rest right. that is uh, in the future and so what you're saying here is that this is what we're building toward yeah yeah so here in you know Indiana in 2021 thinking through how can um, I store up treasures in heaven right um, ultimately we want to we want to build the kingdom on earth that will develop into the new heaven yeah. and new earth. Yeah, I mean, I think on a very practical level, what we're talking about here, when we talk about what is the treasure that that we're talking about mm-hmm. uh, or that Jesus is talking about here, the treasure on earth, you know, is our, our it's, you know, in that passage, I think it's directed towards our finances, our, mm-hmm. um, our, our financial wealth. But it's taking that and saying, how can then you use that in order to posture yourself toward, uh, what what the author of Hebrews is saying to strive to enter this rest, mm-hmm. like how how does the the hope of that rest then dictate the way that you use your money? So let's talk about the heart, um, because honestly, we can go through the motions and we can store up treasures in heaven, like mm-hmm. the scripture says. Um, but ultimately, if we don't do it out of the love we have for our Savior, then we're going to fall into all kinds of trouble. Right. Um, so Scott brought up First Timothy 6.10. I just want to look at that very quickly here. It mm-hmm. says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Mm-hmm. Oh, doesn't that sound... I know. Like, yeah. That <laughs> sounds so... So awful. Yeah. Um, that it's really something, it's a craving um, when our heart is set on this idol of, of money that can't be filled here in this, in this world. Yeah. Um, knowing that we could, we could pierce ourselves over and over with, with the pangs of it not being fulfilled. Right. Um, right. So how do we develop this love for Christ that is greater than the treasure of this earth? Totally. You know, I think the advice that Scott gave was really good because he, he what he said was that we need to use our money, spend our money in such a way that influences our heart toward heaven, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And 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 I think we get it backwards so many times where we start to think, well, I'll start giving when I when I feel more ready, or mm-hmm. when you know when I um uh. When, when I when I have you know this much money, then I can start giving, or whatever. But um, the issue is is not so much about that. It's you know the the issue if it truly is about our heart, then even no matter how much money we're making, there is a discipline I think of of giving some of that away, that then begins to free our heart, so that then. We want to give more. We want to be more generous. We want to uh, see, you know, and, and really, what it does is it changes our heart for the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. right? So I think I think what's what's fascinating about that it's, it's almost, um, I mean, not to be like trite with it, but it's almost like a fake it till you make it <laughs> kind of yeah. kind of philosophy. Well, I, hate yeah. to, I hate to throw that out there for our I folks because that's not, you know, that's not really what. No, it is. but I, I think maybe, that, I'll, uh, uh, maybe I'll cut that out. <laughs> no, I mean we can keep it. We can keep it because. Honestly, sometimes we do have to discipline ourselves, and and this goes with anything. 
So Absolutely. like reading scripture was my thing. Yeah. I, I could not, I could not sit down and read it. Yeah. It, 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 it pained me to read it cause I didn't know what it meant. And it, it was frustrating. And, um, yeah. and so I, first of all, I prayed that the Lord would grow my heart in that area that he would make me long to, to devour his word. Mm. Um, which I think is him working in me to desire the things that he wants. Sure. Um, but I mean, there for a while, I would sit down and open it up, and it, it was really just me trying to go through the motions so that I could get my body and my mind into a routine. Yeah. And once I did, then I I opened the 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 soil was like tilled for the Lord to be able to work in me. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I think He did that. But I, I do believe that yeah. he, he had to kind of mold me and shape me before yeah. I was ready to receive his word. I went through the same thing with worship, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. When I was in college, um, I, I went to a, a Christian university, and uh-huh. they, they require you to go to chapel three times a week. Yeah. And so I would go to chapel, and I'd sit in the front row, and I was like, I'm going to sit. I, I like it was very intentional. I'm like, I'm going to sit in the front row, and I'm going to give my all in worship every single time because I wanted to... Um, I wanted to really just gain more of Christ. I wanted I wanted to have more of a love and affection for Christ. Mm-hmm. So so I thought maybe that that would be a good way to do it. So 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 I started doing that. Um, and I would say there were often times where we would do four songs, you know, uh, or whatever back to back. And I would not be excited about it. You'd I get would, tired of standing, probably. Yeah, I'd get tired of standing, <laughs> or or I've just my heart was not in it. Yeah. Until the last song. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, like something happened where through praise, it it transformed my heart to put it more in a better posture towards towards worship. And yeah. so I, I, I think what's interesting is we're just in a culture where we we value our feelings um, so much that we let our feelings then direct our actions. Uh-huh. And I think what this principle is saying is actually what you need to do is let your actions be the right actions that then drive your feelings. That's good. You know? Yeah. Um, and it's just kind of a reversal of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that I love that that Scott got to with all of this, though, is is how it connected to our treasuring of Christ. You know, believing... When, when he got to the end here, he said, you know, believing in Jesus is not the same as treasuring him. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. He said... Uh, and I, I think another way to, to maybe think about it is our intellectual ascent to Jesus's divinity and the salvation he offers is not the same as loving him and delighting in him. Yeah, I agree. You know, <laughs> um, one of the things, and I remember when Derek, uh, Pastor Derek preached on this a few years ago, he he talked about this, this concept um, from, and I think it's from Augustine, like way back in the fourth century, but it's this idea that- Augustine? That, you mean Augustine? Augustine, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. uh, but he talked about this idea where- <laughs> True faith really requires three elements. It requires knowledge of the object of your faith, yes. right? Uh-huh. It requires intellectual assent to that, like whatever its claims are that it's actually true, mm-hmm. okay? But that is not enough. It also requires what we call um, uh, active trust at the same time. And that active trust is, and the illustration that Derek used that I, I think is just so good is like you have a chair. There. Yeah. And so you can you can know... Oh yeah, I have a concept of a chair. That's great. You can know as well and intellectually believe, hey, that chair is going to hold me up if I sit on it. But it actually, you're not actually 
putting your faith in it until you actually sit in the chair. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and so, so believing in Jesus is not the same as treasuring him. And I think that, that treasuring Christ is something that, man, I just want to grow in more, uh, <laughs> in, in so many ways. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, I want to, I, I want to grow to treasure him more and more. Hey, can I plug a book? Sure. So I know that you'll be on board with this because you gave this to Erica for Christmas, but nah. <laughs> okay. But oh, and Mitch just read this one. Okay. Too. Yeah, yeah. 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 So gentle and lowly. Yeah. Um, throw the author out there because I just blanked. Oh, I don't remember. Let me look. It I up. feel like it's Ortland. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's a, a newer book this year, this last year. Yeah. Um, all about treasuring Christ because of his he he's he is gentle and lowly. Yeah. There is one verse in all of Scripture that describes his heart, and it says that he is gentle and lowly of mm. heart. Yeah, and uh, and this book is all about what that means, what that means, and just how much our love grows whenever we we really truly grasp that about him. Totally, yeah. It's Dane Ortland. Okay. Um. So, uh, yeah, I have not read it yet. Uh, Mitch read it, and he said he loved it. Um, I'm only I'm only like two chapters in. Oh, so, cool. Yeah. yeah, nice. But yeah, the th- that's the thing. I mean, I I think there's this this treasuring Christ, this delighting in Christ. That is something that, I mean, I think all of us want to grow in. We all mm-hmm. want to. We want to be better at. I was looking at just as a parallel passage for, for this today is Psalm thirty-seven. Okay. And I would love to just look at that as we close our time together here. But um, Psalm thirty-seven is it, it's a little bit of a longer psalm, so we're not going to look at the whole thing, but just the the very beginning here because I think it picks up on all of these things that we're talking about. Uh, talks, you know, about God's promise to us. Uh, in fact, the land is mentioned a number of times mm-hmm. in here uh, about this delighting in Christ and delighting in the Lord, um, and and all of that. So, um, let me just read the beginning here, and we can we can talk about it. it. Starts at verse one: Fret not yourself because of evildoers; be not envious of wrongdoers. Okay, right off the bat, uh, <laughs> I'm already in this place of like, wow. When you think about the way that money influences us, changes our hearts, there it is right there. We, we have a, a fret because we feel like maybe we're not going to have enough. We're mm-hmm. not going to be provided for. Uh, evildoers may take the, that, that resource from us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have an envy of people who have more than us, <laughs> you know, and all that sort of stuff. So right off the get-go, I think we see this um, very uh, – these very human emotions that are tied to this concept. And so he says, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. And so here again, I'm like, man, this is perspective. He's, he's not, he's helping us to see, we, we don't need to think about things in such a temporary place, like even on this earth, but that our perspective should be eternal um, and all that. And then he says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourselves in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Let's unpack that one a little bit, because mm-hmm. I think that's one that maybe sometimes gets misused. Yes, it, I mean, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, I mean, what it looks like when you first read this, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Well, you know, we know our heart is, is fallen, and mm-hmm. so we're going to desire a lot of fallen things. Yeah. Um, and temporary things that that don't matter, um, that will not fulfill us. And so um, the good father that he is is not willing to hand us a snake, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so we are we are thankfully 
given the mind of Christ. And I think that over time, he starts to conform our will to his will. Yeah, yeah. And therefore, our desires start to change. Right. Um, so, so, yeah, I think, I think so that's it's not a, hey, delight yourself in the Lord, and he's going to give you everything that your heart desires. <laughs> like, you know, that kind of a thing. <laughs> Correct, yeah. But it's delight yourself in the Lord, and the desires of your heart are going to be given to you. Like, you're going to be changed. Yeah. The, those desires are going to, you're going to see them begin to be transformed to be more in conformity with the heart of Christ. Yeah. Um, and that's that's what we're talking about here, um, that as we delight in him, we, we're the one that changes. Um and we, and we long for the things of heaven. Amen. Commit your way to the Lord, he says. Trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. For the evildoer shall be cut off. But those who wait on the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. And so at the end, verses 9 and 10, you have the picture of the land again. Mm -hmm. um, so just connecting that, I mean, you know, this is this idea of the land again is this promise that God makes for the things of heaven for the, for Christ Himself being that our inheritance, our eternal reward, and so and so it, you know we're really He's He's getting to like look, we don't need to worry, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, just trust it, trust in the Lord, and it, and He says in just a little while, right, the wicked will be no more, and the meek will inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace, and I think that's the. Um, that's the hope that we have in this, you know, uh, having this eternal perspective that God, um, he is our delight. He is our treasure. He's the one that we're, that we're running after. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amen. That's good. <laughs> well, let's close with just one, one more, one more thing, because, you know, we're talking about us delighting in Christ, but really we delight in Christ because God delights in us. Yes. First, Right. Uh, because he treasures us. And this is how Scott uh, ended the sermon. In fact, one, one of the things that he said I thought was so good, he, he, he talked about how Jesus came to earth and emptied himself, became poor for us. And this is right out of 2 Corinthians. Um, 2 Corinthians uh, verse, uh, sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says this. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Now, obviously, not. Uh, we're not. He's not talking specifically about mm -hmm. uh, earthly riches, right? <laughs> These are spiritual things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Ariel, can you help unpack for us what exactly this is? This means when when God is saying, you know, you are my delight. You are my treasured possession. Mm -hmm. um, how do we see that throughout the scriptures? Ooh, this has changed for me recently. Yeah. Um, because I think I was still hanging on to like making myself delightful. And um, man, I can't, I, 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 I was really like struggling to, um, to think that I was fulfilling, you know, all of the commands of, of the word and just trying to, live up to a standard so that God would delight in me. Uh, yeah. 
And um, I think I had that completely backwards. Mm. And um, I think the scripture is more clear to tell us that he delights in us because he decided to. Mm. He chose to. You know, it it was his um, design to delight in us. And uh, so there's nothing I can do to make myself more delightful. Um, But my love for him grows exponentially because of knowing the evilness of my heart, knowing um, how fallen I am, and that he he has chosen to delight in me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, that he actually wants you. He actually yeah. wants, like, so, I mean, you, you see that even from the very beginning from Genesis, that mm-hmm. he wants a people for himself. Yes. And the whole story of the Bible is about how he's getting his people. Yes. You know, how, 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 how he's collecting this family, you know, bringing everyone together into uh-huh. this family. Um, you see this 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 same type of verse over and over again mm-hmm. in Scripture, where he says, um, "I will be your God, and you will be my people." Um, and it's this principle throughout the, all of the, the the Bible, where it's like this is God's heart. This is His design. Is He He wants a people for Himself because He wants to delight in them, and He sees them as 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 a what Scott pointed out on on uh, on Sunday in First Peter that we are his treasured possession, mm-hmm. you know? And that that reality is mind-blowing, especially in light of, you know, people... Because, Ariel, I think that what, you're, what you said is true of everybody. We, we don't see ourselves as being a treasure, treasured possession. Mm-hmm. We don't see ourselves as being delightful, you know? But, um, but God, in his, in his grace and his mercy, sees us that way. Right. And... And, and actually delights in us, Yes, you know? Um, and so the whole idea of us delighting in him is really grounded in the, in the reality that he already delights in us, <laughs> you know, yeah. that he already does. And that's, um, that's just remarkable. I mean, that's grace. <laughs> it is. You know, what it does, it does for us too is that uh, it helps us see that really our, our only goal, if we break it all the way down, is to delight in the Lord and to glorify him and to just live that out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. In everything we do. Totally. Well, Hey, I hope that this uh, conversation was helpful. Thanks for, uh, thanks for chatting this morning, Ariel. Hey, thanks. (laughs) Yeah. It was, it was, it was a little bit quiet without our buddy here on the left. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We'll tell him we miss him. Absolutely. We'll let him know. Yep. And uh, next week, we're jumping into a new series that Scott is going to be doing uh, just three weeks called Living in the Overflow. It's a focus on Psalm 23. If you haven't read Psalm 23 in a while, go back and read it before Sunday. Um, I think it's going to be a really encouraging and helpful series for us as we're looking out at really the love of God for us. So um, so anyway, that's going to be happening on Sunday. And then we'll be back next week, hopefully with all three of us yes. <laughs> on the Sunday recap. We'll see you then. Thank you.